Should we put our hands in, say billionaires on three? <laughs> Since we're doing a sports episode, I think we should start <laughs> with, a sport, with a sport cheer. That should be our open. Come on. I'll do it, yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. All right, Sean, put, put, get your hands off your lap. This is the problem playing sports. That's why nerds don't play sports. Billionaires on three. One, two, three. Billionaires! billionaires. Get lost, please. Thank you. I can tell you that every job has its ups and downs. Union can't change that fact. I mean, it is the magic elixir of our of our age and of all ages. What it does for prostate cancer is amazing. You get two hundred million dollar profit. And you didn't have to pay any tax. Isn't that true? Listen, it's, it's is that true or not? Yes or it no? Is, you do not pay a profit when someone a, a, a tax when someone Maybe makes you sell assets. For you, become secretary of treasury, so you didn't have to pay the tax there. Oh. <laughs> all right. Hello and welcome back to Grub Stakers, the podcast about billionaires. I'm Sean P. McCarthy. I'm here and I'm joined by my friends Yogi Pollywall, Steve Jeffers, Andy Palmer. And uh, today we have as a guest one of the foremost experts on football and American finance, the professional gambler Joel Wachowski is joining us. Hello, six foot three from the Detroit, Michigan, <laughs> Joel Wachowski, <laughs> sweet baby Jay. Good to be here in the Grub Worms, talking to all you Grub Worms, you know, just as a little treat. I wrote a special intro theme for this uh, for this podcast Go today. On. It's set to the tune of Go- Ghostbusters. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> There's development in your neighborhood. Who are you going to call? call? Grub Stakers. <laughs> <laughs> Billionaires are up to no good. <laughs> Who are you going to call? Grub Stakers! Yogi, Steve, Andy, and McCarthy, they're going to report on financial inequality. Grub Stakers! Good to be here. Thanks for having me, guys. Good to have you. Man, what's with our guests bringing their own intros now? I kind of like it. Less work for me. What were the other intros people had? Uh, uh, Hi, it's good to be here. Okay. Usually. Well, I was yeah. just driving here, and uh, all thoughts are just clouds, as we know. And <laughs> of course, um, of course. I, w- I wanted to have a more interesting cloud in my brain, so I came up with this song. And then I was like, after, I was like, maybe I'll say, like, yeah, that's a shouts to Ray Parker, another <laughs> famous billionaire. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you for being here, Joel. And we, we wanted Joel here because we're, we're going to talk today about Jerry Jones, the owner of the Cowboys. And Joel is the football expert. And so he can fill in all the gaps in our knowledge about that. But before we get to, to Mr. Jerry Jones, who's, of course, the Cowboys just lost yesterday. So he's uh, very sad today. Um, but before we get to him, we, d- we should mention... You can't sh- tell he's sad because his face no longer expresses emotion. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of facelifts on that boy. <laughs> so, Sean, you were going to talk about a famous divorce. <laughs> well, I was going to open the episode by uh, congratulating Mackenzie Bezos on recently joining the Forbes Richest List. That's right, that's right. And in fact, just this week, we found out that Mackenzie Bezos became the richest novelist in American history. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't even uh, have to write a successful book. Yes. Um, but, yes, yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll circle back. I'm sure if, if you're listening, you probably saw the press reports. Basically, Jeff Bezos was having an affair with some woman that he was meeting through Lin-Manuel Miranda. Mm-hmm. And, um, how dare he? Sending weird text messages about how he wants to, like, devour her soul or... <laughs> 
I'm paraphrasing. Yeah, I, Young Love is so beautiful. It would be great if you guys did an episode on Mackenzie Bezos. Like, oh, how did she get her money? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, she gave her pussy to a golem-looking creep. <laughs> <laughs> That's up there with Captain's Industry, you know? <laughs> If I ever see Jeff Bezos, I know he's probably some security guy originally. Sure, I sure. will try and behead him in the street. <laughs> really? <laughs> Absolutely. Well, if you kill the richest man in the world, instantly famous. It, that just sparks the revolution That's right. right there. I think so. Mm-hmm. That's the closest I'll ever come to being a Black Panther, so I got to do it. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do own a beret. Oh, well. <laughs> I was reading, like, so speaking of that, uh, uh, I got this biography of uh, Lily Safra. She's a Brazilian billionaire, future mm-hmm. episode. So Made her money in saffron rice. So. She, she became right. a billionaire because she married two different Brazilian uh, billionaires, and then they both died mysteriously. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, you know, uh, it, it is like, I guess kind of the debate we have on the podcast is, is there a good billionaire? So I guess if you marry into billionaires and then murder them, that's yeah. that's about as good as it gets. I'll I see think. why not. Yeah. But uh, let's get back to uh, the man of the hour, Jerry Jones. And um, I, I just want to kind of, you know, give you the, the brief overview for those not familiar. Jerry Jones, of course, owns the Dallas Cowboys. Uh, Forbes puts his net worth today at about $6.8 billion. And the Dallas Cowboys have been a great investment for Jerry Jones. He bought them in 1989 for about $150 million. Today they're worth uh, over $5 billion, according to Forbes magazine. And, um, you know, just kind of the question is, like, where does the money come from? How does this all happen? And it's a pretty fascinating story. Um, I read uh, most of the book uh, King of the Cowboys uh, by Jim Dent. Most is, of it. How much of it did you read? Like 200 pages. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, Look, that's books are long. <laughs> and um, I, I, I read Big Game by Mark Leibovich back in September. It was awesome. It had it really peeled behind the curtain into NFL ownership. And nice. it kind of posed that Jerry Jones and Jerry Richardson were kind of the alphas in the room. So right. He, so I, I read a little bit on his like pull in the room, and I, I think he's a pretty interesting and almost positive figure for a billionaire. If, this, if the goal of this podcast is to find a good billionaire, Jerry Jones may well be that. Really? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because this is a guy who made, the Cowboys are worth what? Five, Five billion? billion? Mm-hmm. And he, I know his father was a little bit successful. Then he kind of came out of Arkansas and right, found a right. job as a vice president at his bank. But... Um, this is a guy who made his money by solely following his passions. Mm-hmm. He loves football. He put all his money that he made from football back into football, and he grew his passion so that other people could connect to it. I think that's kind of cool. I, I can't fault you for that, Joel. I think dating the daughter of a billionaire has changed you, Joel. <laughs> She's not the daughter of a... <laughs> The niece of a billionaire? I don't know. Yeah, it's, a, it's different. <laughs> yeah, is there a positive billionaire? Yeah, I would posit the one who let me ride his jet ski. <laughs> <laughs> well, all my research for the podcast was watching uh, First Amendment audits in Dallas for the last 24 hours. You watched Sovereign Citizen that's, videos. Oh, yeah, that's all I did. <laughs> well, this, there's no excuse not to do research for this episode because the character of Bas- Baxter Kane in basketball was based right. on that's Jerry true. Jones. That is entirely true, yes. <laughs> Yeah, you know, um, he would choke his enemies with a hot dog <laughs> and famously not fuck Jenny McCarthy. <laughs> <laughs> 
But so uh, Jerry Jones, his father was Pat Jones, and his father Pat Jones is born uh, in Arkansas near Little Rock, in a town near Little Rock. Uh, it, it grows up on a farm during the Great Depression, a hard life. Uh, his father has. His father's briefly a salesman in Rose City, Arkansas, but really he gets saved by the government spending program known as World War II. Uh, his father gets a job manufacturing aircraft in Los Angeles during World War II. I believe 1941 he moves out there. So he's manufacturing aircraft in L.A., Pat Jones is, from 1941 to 1945. And during this time, Jerry Jones is born in Los Angeles in 1942. And uh, then World War II ends. The family moves back to Arkansas in mm -hmm. 1945. Uh, they move to Rose City. And his father sets up what will become a supermarket. It was basically like he opens a fruit stand that's like a drive-in fruit stand. And then they have a second floor apartment above it that the family lives in. Right. And then throughout the, from 45 to 52, it expands. They end up meet, at a meat market, at a um, bakery. And then in 1952, he opens Pat's Supermarket. Hey, he makes a one-stop shopping, essentially. Yes, there you go. So but and, all this kind of seems to me fairly humble beginnings. Right, yeah. No, I mean, For his like, dad, definitely, yeah. yeah. I mean, like... And How do I want to say this? Relative to the rest of the country, he definitely grew up in, in relatively modest means. But in terms of his town, I mean, his dad owned the supermarket. Right, so right. In, in terms of his immediate area, he was upper class. I think you can see the influence of that on Jer how Jerry Jones has run the Cowboys. Like his father has a successful market. He keeps adding on different aspects. Like Jerry Jones has the Cowboys. I'm going to add on this wonderful stadium. I'm going to add on the largest public art collection right, right, in Texas. Right. So, I'm gonna let Tony Romo fuck Jessica Simpson for a season. Mm -hmm. Why not? You know, absolutely. It's it's about corporate synergy and having as many tendrils out there as, <laughs> as possible. Diversifying your bonds. I'm gonna add on this woman that I'm having an affair with and pay her a hundred thousand dollars a year. <laughs> you say that as like it's a bad thing. <laughs> you know how little the women I have affairs with. A oh, hundred thousand dollars versus chlamydia. <laughs> Uh, Joel, you don't know. He might be giving them a hundred grand and chlamydia. So <laughs> some, you know, billionaires. We just can't compete. You can't. You can't. They give it to y'all. Um, but so, just from the the book, the Jim Dent book, uh, Jerry Jones says frequently that his father taught him, you know, the value of hard work, and his dad made him, you know, work in the store from a young age. Jerry Jones is apparently selling like pumpkins and Christmas trees and watermelons in the store from the age of like seven to ten. Yeah, an article said that he learned how to sell at the age of nine. So. Right. A nine-year-old's gabbing you at the supermarket to buy more watermelons. And I realize I, I appreciate Sean doing the homework of reading this book, but that's clearly just the ghostwriter having fun. Like, <laughs> no way, Jerry Joe is like, yes, I sold pumpkins and watermelons, <laughs> all manner of gourds and gourd-like objects. <laughs> I mean, like, one thing I kind of came across is multiple people in the book say Jerry Jones is a serial liar, and like, there's one story we'll kind of get to. I mean, like. Uh, Allegedly, you know, yeah. let's get that out there. I cross-checked it, and some people he grew up with, yeah, they they speculate he sold squashes. <laughs> <laughs> what if uh, he? What if he just liked selling circular things? He's like, I want to make this my life. Well, it's not. He, he uh, apparently, uh, it's not the only things that he sold. Uh, Yogi found this job or this gym. <laughs> I'm Jimmy Johnson, and I recently became the spokesperson for Extends, the number one male enhancement tablet. <laughs> Even though I'm the winner of four collegiate and professional football championships and have a sports casting career, I've been surprised at the one big question guys ask me these days. Does Extends really work? Can you believe it? 
So here's my answer. It works for me, and since Extends has sold over a billion tablets to men, I'm thinking it works for them too. Most men want to perform the best they can in just about everything. Isn't that why we buy the biggest and best of everything? So if you want that maximum performance edge every day, I say go long with Extends. I do. Have you guys ever used a dick pill? Uh-uh. You? Oh, of course. Well, okay, so on, on YouTube it says, uh, uh, Jimmy Johnson extends commercial, extends male enhancement, and then all caps, does not work. <laughs> and then in the description, it's www.1dollardrugs.com, Viagra for 99 cents per pill. Jimmy Johnson go. shilling for extends. Problem is that extends does not work. It's, it's interesting that Jimmy Johnson is selling extends when it didn't work on his contract. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yes, uh, Jimmy Johnson was a coach of the Dallas Cowboys who won two Super Bowls and then would be famously fired by Jerry Jones the year after winning a Super Bowl, uh, allegedly because Jerry Jones wanted to have a bigger hand in uh, player decisions and on-field management and this kind of thing. Well, he's selling uh, stuff at nine. He wants a bigger everything. <laughs> well, that's the interesting thing because Jerry Jones, should we, should we, he kind of followed the Al Davis template, and I think that's the coolest thing about him is that he's still in charge of football operations. Like, he's worth so much money, he could do anything he wants, but ultimately, he just wants to control his football team. Yeah. Right. And, like, a lot, of, a lot of pro sports teams, like the Detroit Lions, my beloved, for example, they're just this rich families play thing. Right. And Jerry Jones has made his business this team, and every other franchise in the league has grown from his efforts. The NFL wouldn't be such a lucrative property if not for his vision throughout. And he's not that good at running a football team, but hell... He's amazing at developing and growing this business. Well, I was going to say, like, maybe it's a little easy for you to say that Joel is a Lions fan, but like, <laughs> I know a lot of a lot of Dallas fans are just pissed off because what they haven't won a Super Bowl since '96, and then they uh, keep doing first or second round exits in the playoffs. Oh, a since. second round exit? What's <laughs> that like? <laughs> like everyone, everyone made a big deal when the Lions got a new owner. And the new owner was a 98-year-old woman. Is <laughs> <laughs> this woman, Martha Ford, they wheel her out and like, yeah, I would much prefer the like slightly, you know, hard to predict guy who lives and breathes for this team. Right, right, right. She got the team by marrying and killing the previous owner. And it's amazing, like, because he kind of, Jerry Jones made his money most, for the most part, in sports. And you kind of see his template followed in Dallas by Mark Cuban with the kind of like tech de- right, tech aspects right. to it. When Mark Cuban uh, sued those players at that workers' compensation lawsuit. <laughs> so this is like uh, again we're we're jumping ahead. We'll circle back. So yes, Joel is mentioning uh, Jerry Jones. Essentially, which should be noted, when he inherited the Dallas Cowboys, they were losing like eight million dollars a year or so. So he monetized them very effectively. Um, but there were definitely areas where he went too far, and one of those was uh, 16 players were paid out $1 million between all of them uh, by the previous owner under a workers' comp lawsuit. Mm-hmm. You know, they were injured. Right. Jerry Jones sues them to get that million dollars back. Wow. And this was, of, of course, this is money belonging to the uh, the previous uh, owner. Uh, Jerry Jones claimed that they double-dipped because they were being paid while, by the Dallas Cowboys while receiving workers' comp. And just one quote here. Uh, we're not even talking about money that once belonged to Jerry Jones. What an asshole Jerry Jones is. He's trying to steal from his former players, and that's lineman John Dutton. Hmm. And, I mean, it's like something you can't really get a- around with football is that players put their bodies on the line. They take years off their lives. Right, right. Their bodies are often destroyed to make money for people like Jerry Jones. And, you know, he's suing fucking 
to get back one million dollars. And I think that is unfair because they probably double dip because their brains are so CTE addled. They keep doing the paperwork multiple times. Just accidentally committing insurance fraud. Yeah. I mean, that, he should sue former players for like leaving their babies in the car, aimless, driftling, wandering around the hardware store, you know. He cancels the season tickets for all the wives uh, murdered by players. <laughs> uh, well, they don't need them anymore. Yeah, that's true. Um, but w- but we'll get to that. I-, I would just like to say I mentioned uh, Jerry Jones says that his father taught him hard work, but uh, and I'm sure his father worked hard or whatever. But they were also like notorious alcoholics, both Jerry and his father. And one quote from uh, the the J- Jim Dent book uh, quote: Pat Jones could be found on a bar stool at the White Pig Inn day and night. Um, so you know, I mean, I guess if you're drinking day and night, maybe you're not working that hard. Sure, sure. But it should just be noted: uh, Little Rock, Arkansas, um, the the White Pig Inn was a segregated bar. Oh, really? Uh, is all black? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, apparently, he was, accor- a, he was a pioneer then. Yeah. <laughs> According to the book, uh, black people could not even stop to use the phone uh, to really? make a phone call. Um, but so, and, and then segregation is kind of an interesting thing in Jerry Jones's town because. Uh, the, the federal order in 1957 desegregates Little Little Rock Central High School. The governor of Arkansas at the time makes a show of like sending out the the National Guard. So President Eisenhower has to send in the 101st Airborne to escort uh, uh, nine black students to the high school. Uh, this is 1957. Jones starts high school in 1956. But Wait, it, isn't the Airborne like a paratrooping brigade? Yes. <laughs> Yeah, Did they, they like they flew. The, the roads <laughs> weren't great. <laughs> ground, ground operations, I guess. Apparently. No, you'll get over your fear of going to school with like classmates when you jump out of an airplane at thirty thousand feet. <laughs> what if that's how they got past the picket line of white races? You know, they just drop them in from a plane. <laughs> Everyone knows the story of Ruby Bridges. <laughs> You're looking it up like this photo is much blurrier than I remember it. <laughs> yeah, you know, on my bachelor party, mm-hmm. you know, me and my, my my buddies were gonna go out, we're gonna take some acid, and we're gonna go up in a plane and desegregate. <laughs> 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 you asked the wrong person to be on this podcast. No, Joe, you're great. Uh, yeah. So the sad thing is that's the third time they've had to desegregate that school this year. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's not the uh, first failed mission of the 101st Airborne. <laughs> it is safely resegregated now. Uh, but so um, the, the, that's relevant because I mentioned, so it's Little Rock Central High School gets desegregated by federal order. However, uh, Jerry uh, Jones goes to North Little Rock High School, which was segregated. Hmm. So he goes to a segregated high school. And um, because of that, or partly because of that, he's able to play football in high right. school. Um, yeah, he's a running back. Any of you guys play fo- football in high school? Joey? Yes. I, I didn't, actually. I was really into my high school's video program. Oh, AV Club? Yeah, yeah. And, um, you know, th- I was kind of a late bloomer, and uh, my high school was dominated by, like, uh, the, the Muslims. So, like, it was, like, a very Muslim thing to play on the football team, so I didn't do it. Really? Yeah. Where'd you grow uh, You grew up? Dearborn, Michigan. Huh. After, um, I didn't know Dearborn had a large Muslim population. Oh, we're the most yeah. Muslim city in America. Yeah. Wow. 
wasn't always the case in the middle of the 80s people from like lebanon yeah sure palestine yeah, yemen they all came to dearborn no well before we get to the high school i did just want to do one uh quick... i do i think that's kind of unfair though like you're blaming this guy for the high school he went to the segregation i'm just i'm just asking questions i think sean's <laughs> saying if he wasn't at a segregated high school would he, probably... he be a running back no and uh, it, it's the same with his college career yeah, like he paid he played in college football when the southern college football was segregated yeah. So he only played against white It's people. so easy to twist the facts that day. Like, <laughs> you know, Sean suspiciously didn't go to Columbine High School on <laughs> April 20th, 1999. From my cold, dead hands. Uh, we're just asking questions on this podcast. I mean, oh, actually. Turns out that you should listen when someone sends you an email saying, don't come to school today. <laughs> Especially when it's your best friend. And I got to say, everyone listening should look up the King of the Cowboys cover. Yes. Jerry Jones is wearing large aviators <laughs> and a checked shark skin suit. He yeah. looks amazing. And like Jerry Jones, like for just as an aside, always looks very well. Very sharp. He looks always. great. Yeah. And, so, and unabashedly too good looking. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so here's here's what Jerry Jones has said about segregation at the time. Um the thing that bothers me... Can you do an accent, please? He is from <laughs> Arkansas. Notoriously, I'm very bad at that. You got the shot. You yeah, can do that's it. why we're having a do We're here to learn and grow. <laughs> we're asking questions. Just do a Bill Clinton impression. Uh, the thing that bothers me sitting here today is why I didn't ask more questions back then. Why did you see that black cus- Why did you see the black customers at my father's store? Why were they always there when you went when you when you, when you went home? But I didn't see them in the schools. Why weren't they there on the junior high football team with me? Why didn't I see them on the other teams we played? Looking back on it now, it makes me feel bad that I didn't at least ask what is going on here. And I think Jerry Jones carried that guilt and he tried to make it up to the poorly educated black population mm-hmm, mm-hmm. by later drafting Emmett Smith. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it, it just one other uh, little pull from the book here. We, we mentioned his father, like notorious drinker, apparently a notorious womanizer. According to the book, his father would open an insurance company. Uh, we'll get to in a second. And he would hire salesmen, his father would, based on their ability to quickly seduce and pick up women. Um, well, that's kind of how all businesses work then. You <laughs> know. What you're really doing is selling yourself. Right, right, exactly. Um, You've but, seen Moneyball. That's how they did it back then. They wanted to see if you could fuck or not. That's, what, that's how they knew you could get the job done. Mm-hmm. But so we, we mentioned that his father would be drinking all night at this uh, White Pig Inn, and then apparently they would often... Wait, it's it, called the White Pig Inn? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes, it was called the White Pig Inn. Is it still uh, open? Uh, I don't know. You know, maybe they didn't even set out to make a segregated bar. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, come to the We're Gonna Wear White Sheets Tavern. <laughs> the, the White Pig Inn is also a South Korean bar. <laughs> the White Pig Go Home Inn. I don't well, get it. White Pig. Yeah. It was originally a cop bar named by the local Black Panther Party. Just <laughs> kind of stuck. <laughs> um, yeah, they are still open, I believe. Oh, they are. And I do like that alcoholism is like a big part of Jones's story. Are you familiar with the the Jason Garrett rumor? No, because him and Jay, the present Cowboys coach Jason Garrett, are drinking buddies. And there's been a rumor going around for years that Garrett's only kept his job because he has pictures of Jerry Jones. <laughs> really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
All right. So basically, this is the story from Jerry Jones's childhood. Um, uh, his father would often, you know, drink all night at the White Pig Inn, and then it would close. They would go to these all-night coffee shops and, you know, keep partying. Uh, so early one morning, according to a coffee shop regular, after failing to make it home the previous night, Pat Jones looked up from a booth in the coffee shop to find his wife staring coldly into his bloodshot eyes. He also happened to be in the company of two ladies. By his mother's side was young Jerry Jones, who stared blankly at the floor, wishing he was somewhere else. When I grow up, I'm going to be just like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Jerry Jones, his wife shouted, I want you to take a good, long look at your father. Jerry, if you were wondering where your father was last night, he was right here with these you-know-whos. Son, I don't want you to grow up to be this way. Um, and and, that's probably another instance of the copywriter adding. <laughs> <laughs> what mother calls her son by her yeah. by his full name? Yeah. <laughs> well, but anyways. If they use their middle name? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> Jerry Jones. Don't be like, I didn't. I'm calling bullshit on that. Jim Dent. Jim Den, if you want to, if you want to come on the pod, we will have you anytime. <laughs> uh, but anyways, uh, fortunately, Jerry Jones would not grow up to be like his father, so the lesson worked. Hey, uh, this is a review of uh, the the White Pig Inn. Uh, good food, awful customer service. Uh, it's about a couple uh, who is interracial, and they didn't get great service at this restaurant. I wonder why. <laughs> Is there like a one? Are they still open? Yeah, they're still open, yeah. Is there like a one-star review that says, wouldn't let me use the telephone? (laughs) (laughs) uh, My boyfriend and I had looked forward to dining there, but when we walked in, that changed. The waitress glared at us with open hostility. We are an interracial couple. He is white, and I am African-American. Her tone and demeanor displayed how she felt about us, and she rudely asked us if we were eating in or taking it, w- taking it with us. It was very obvious how she felt. We selected the table. This goes on for a couple of pages, by the way. I'm not going to read the whole thing. <laughs> Though the apps were slamming. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, as we mentioned, he's a, he's a quarterback in junior high. He changes to fullback at 11th grade high school. He's the team captain for uh, high school. Um, but he's able to, again, this is a segregated league. He attends the University of Arkansas on a football scholarship. He goes there in 1960. Uh, he plays guard, and he's mostly like sixth or seventh or eighth string until 1964 season. He sees some regular play. He plays in the 1964 Cotton Bowl. Um, and, uh, again, as we mentioned, segregated league, uh, all-white uh, uh, opponents. He's like kind of a small guard, essentially. Sure. He's like 180 pounds or something. Um, oh, and then like he's also getting a master's degree in business uh, at this time. And then, oh, I did want to just get one more poll quote here. And who who else was on that 1964 <laughs> Arkansas team? David I, Duke? Jimmy Johnson, uh, the, the later coach of the uh, Dallas Cowboys, was on that Arkansas yeah, team. Yeah, a lot of the people he hired later on were on that college yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a lot of the people he would hire to the Cowboys. And fire. Yes. <laughs> All of the people he would have horrific fallings out with <laughs> were on that um, – <laughs> college team yeah if the math adds up do you think he played against forrest gump in college because <laughs> arkansas is in the sec so this is just like one of the the weird um so he uh, jerry jones in college on the football team he's friends with the quarterback billy moore 
and apparently they're like lifelong friends. So just one random story here. Uh, one, I guess they were in the, the dorms together, Jerry Jones and quarterback Billy Moore. One afternoon during Jones's freshman year, he heard a knock on his dormitory door. Moore, who was two years older, was breathing heavily as if he had just run up several flights of stairs. He had a female companion with him. Females were off limits in the athletic dorm, a rule strictly enforced by the coach, uh, Broyless. (laughs) Moore had little time to spare. He pushed Jones under his own bed and proceeded to have sex with the co-ed. That was one of the damnedest things that ever happened to me in my life, Jones said with a smile. Billy Moore became a friend of mine for the rest of my life. He was my hero. (laughs) (laughs) So basically, he got pushed under a bed uh, by the QB while he had sex on top of that bed. And that's how I became Kevin Spacey's gardener. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yes, so that's a... You know. Wow, what a story. What a tale. Yeah. Uh, formative college anecdote. But so the the way that Jerry Jones gets his startup capital is, um, I guess, the way that a lot of, uh, let's say, uh, lower class, uh, didn't grow up rich people who become billionaires do. Mm-hmm. He gets a voucher from the government <laughs> for being affected by Hurricane <laughs> Katrina. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, uh, he marries the daughter of a banker. Um, he, at 20 years old, Jerry Jones marries a banker's daughter. Is uh, a prominent banker in Arkansas, and um, and he's able to borrow in 1965 uh, $50,000 from this guy. Though it should be mentioned, um, while he's in college, um, Jerry Jones's father and his family uh, they move to uh, Springfield, Missouri, and they start Modern Security Life Insurance Company. So uh, they, they make some money doing that. And Jerry Jones, while he's in college and uh, shortly after, is working as a salesman as well for his father's insurance company. But essentially, like, he marries um, the daughter of this banker and this $50,000 loan gives him the startup capital to make investments throughout the 60s. He, he graduates um, 1964. Um, and so in the uh, 60s, he invests in... Uh, a pizza joint franchise called uh, Shakey's. Uh, apparently, he had the opportunity to franchise a McDonald's or a KFC, but he passed on that instead. Invested what, what, Shakey's, Shakey's, <laughs> and they, they all folded within yeah. a few years. I thought Shakey's Pizza is still around. Oh, I didn't know. I well, see. Pe- it's a lot. It's a California chain. Hmm. The ones he opened. Sh- oh, okay, yeah. his franchises down, yeah. didn't make it. He yeah. didn't sink mm-hmm. the whole ship. Uh, Fifty thousand dollars in nineteen sixty-five is equivalent to three hundred and eighty-nine thousand dollars in two thousand eighteen. Oh, Bezos startup money. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Um, actually, by the way, that figure, uh, the three hundred thousand he got from his parents, was actually just the amount his parents put in. It was fifty thousand over like. 12 or 15 other people i did the math it's like 1.4 million dollars that was invested at that time and he also he borrowed the money to start those shakies from jimmy hoffa's union <laughs> yeah that, that, that was so yeah i saw that on wikipedia it's not mentioned in the jim dent book so i was saying earlier like yeah, I but see he, this just... guy he just wants to talk about pumpkins and watermelon <laughs> <laughs> yeah you know we want to leave out the absence of uh the most famous missing persons outside the Lindbergh baby but well let's focus on the fucking gourds i'm just saying he could have totally made up that jimmy hoffa thing 
Jerry well, Jones. The thing I read was that uh, when he was 23, he had an opportunity by the San Diego uh, or Chargers. Well, yeah. at, the, at the time, they were the Los Angeles Chargers. Well, they're now Los Angeles again. Point is, though, is uh, for him to have done that, he would have had to get the startup money from Jimmy Hoffa and the mob. And Baron Hilton, you know? So um, he could have lent money with, to someone with like the same face as his future daughter. <laughs> <laughs> A lot of plastic surgery there. <laughs> In retrospect, though, borrowing money from Jimmy Hoffa would be one of the smartest financial decisions possible. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to pay that shit uh, the back. The return on that money is great. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so, yes, so he makes these investments. He buys some rental properties. Uh, Jerry Jones takes a bank loan. He invests about $500,000 in a, a property that he wants to um he wants to get an, a Walmart open there. Eventually, the Walmart would be open, but by the late 60s, you know, there's no Walmart, so Jerry's kind of heavy in debt. He has to, like, refinance a lot of his mortgages. He's, Aww. you know, struggling a little bit. Um, but he's able to get his mortgages renegotiated. And so in 1970, his father sells the insurance company for a healthy profit, you know, several million dollars. Well. And um, uh, uh, Jerry, his father, his family, they all moved back from Springfield, Missouri, uh, back to, Ar- to Little Rock, Arkansas. And Jerry, in 1970, is selling mobile homes for a short time. And this is kind of where he gets into the oil industry. A lot of billionaires link to mobile homes. <laughs> yes. It's almost yeah. as if they inherently po- prey on the poor. <laughs> <laughs> We talked about it on the Warren Buffett episode, but mm-hmm. basically Warren Buffett, among other things, owns a mobile homes company. Right. And part of that Dodd-Frank reform bill that they passed was it essentially deregulated a lot of predatory practices for mobile home buyers yeah. and allowed them to steer uh, mobile home buyers into predatory products without disclosing things. Right. Um, but yeah, you know, Warren Buffett's a nice guy. He's been nice to me. <laughs> <laughs> We we gotta uh, we gotta introduce Warren Buffett to Lin Manuel Miranda. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, uh, the oil industry for 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 Jerry Jones is. It, but the basic story is this: um, through one of Jerry Jones's relatives, uh, they introduced Jerry Jones to an Oklahoma oil man and geologist named Bill Sparks. And Bill Sparks is you know he's living in Oklahoma, and he becomes convinced that there is oil in the Red Fork Sands in Oklahoma. And so he's, you know, telling people this. All he needs is the startup capital, and he can go get the oil. Right. So he finally meets Jerry Jones. And Jerry Jones also, in addition to, like, kind of alcoholism, is a famous gambler. Like, when he buys the Cowboys, he asks the previous owner um, how much room for negotiation was there. And the guy says, about 300000 And Jerry Jones says, okay, let's flip a coin for it. And so, you know, they flip a coin for $300,000. Well, he, he had a lot of integrity when he bought the Cowboys, actually. Yeah. Because Tom Landry was firmly in te- He's an iconic coach right, of the right. Cowboys. And the old owner says, hey, if you're buying the team, I know you, we want to get rid of Landry. Yeah. If you want, I will fire him and take the flack for you. Yeah. And Jones said no. And Jones did it himself. And, like, there was... a. a a mob that wanted Jerry Jones yeah. like ousted from the position. I was going to say though. Well, well at least the actual literal mob, this is another instance. So, uh 
according to the this book, the 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 Jim Dent book, in Skip Bayless's nineteen ninety book about Tom Landry, he writes about when um Jerry Jones actually went to fire Tom Landry at the office. Jerry Jones tells Skip Bayless that there was like a small mob formed outside the office to like uh, intimidate him from firing right, Tom Landry. Right. And so Jim Dent says that multiple people at the the meeting said there was no such mob at all. <laughs> so in terms of like a literal, wildly yeah, so it was, he was he was extremely unpopular in Dallas. And I think firing Tom Landry was like, in terms of football decisions, again, I don't know much about football, but it, I, I'm not going to quibble with him for that. What do you think, Joel? You think it was a bad decision? Yeah. I mean, like they won the Super Bowl the next year, but at that no, time, he, there was a dark, years. there was a dark period. They went one fifteen. Okay, got gotcha. yeah, so. but if you win a Super Bowl ever after the that decision, yeah, you're in the plus. And like, I know Cowboys fans are a little misguided now because the franchise is like kind of nice. mired in mediocrity, but winning. Three Super Bowls in a 30-year span is pretty incredible. Yeah, certainly. So uh, this uh, Oklahoma oil man and geologist, Bill Sparks, uh, you know, Jerry Jones is a gambler. He hears the pitch. He's like, hell yeah, let's fucking get oil. And he he does uh, strike it rich. Around uh, 1970, 1971, Jerry manages to put together about $200,000. This gives uh, Bill Bill Starks the uh, startup capital he needs to drill for oil. Uh, They hit their first well well worth $4 million shortly thereafter. That well allows them to go back to the bank and uh, borrow more money against the existing oil that's there. You say borrow like a Canadian. (laughs) (laughs) It's been brought to my attention. Uh, and so, What's the day after today? <laughs> tomorrow. Hey, apologize to Joel. <laughs> For what? Just, just say you're sorry. I'm sorry. What? <laughs> God, how does he say everything else like a Canadian? He says sorry like a damn American. <laughs> so weird. That's crazy. <laughs> Fucking communist over here. All right, back to this geologist. So <laughs> they, they make the, the hit, they keep drilling, and then eventually Jerry sells the oil production company in 1976, but between 70 and 76, he makes about $50 million profit on Red Fork Sand. What, what so, if it was an oil production company? <laughs> we make movies, but they're only adaptations of Upton Sinclair. <laughs> <laughs> In one of the articles, they said when they're talking about his oil, they, they they literally write, and then when Jerry Jones invested in oil, he struck gold. And it's like, how could you not see just saying he struck oil when he, <laughs> you idiots. Black gold. Their movie about uh, Upton Sinclair's The Jungle was very controversial, <laughs> featured <laughs> several Cowboys players being killed. <laughs> Too soon, uh, Sean. Yeah. Uh, so basically, the um, uh, he makes fifty million dollars. So he's a millionaire, multi-millionaire by the early seventies, and then he moves on to natural gas. And this Parts. is this is where the story gets interesting. Uh, well, it, I mean, so he meets. I this- would argue that's buying a football team, but the natural <laughs> gas may well Here's be where it gets <laughs> really crazy. For all you fans of natural gas and heating out there. <laughs> For those of you arguing about British thermal units versus a thousand cubic square feet as an as a as a as a device of measuring the for price all, of for all you shale futures heads out there, <laughs> I like how forty minutes into the episode, Sean goes, "This is where the story gets interesting." <laughs> Look, you stuck Not with us this far, shale, yeah, and we appreciate you. <laughs> Finally, the good stuff is Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys. Find out in part two. <laughs> <laughs> 
He famously uh, fired the legendary owner of the natural gas mine when he took it over. <laughs> was that also Tom that Landry? <laughs> <laughs> Very unpopular decision, firing Tom Landry from Jerry the, oil, Jones, the oil field. He keeps buying businesses where he can fire Tom Landry. <laughs> Tom Landry goes on to like franchise a Dairy Queen, and Jerry Jones buys it to fire him. <laughs> All the employees are mad. The blizzards were never the same. A mob forms out of the uh, four for four line. Inside the Dairy Queen. So he meets this guy, Jerry Jones does. He meets a guy named Mike McCoy in 1980. Mike McCoy is a uh, natural gas expert. Um, they, uh, Jerry Jones puts a million dollars into a well at La- uh, Latimer County. Literally? <laughs> Oklahoma. He's hiding it from the government. Uh, They make a $40 million gas hit. Uh, They make another $40 million hit at the uh, San Joaquin Valley. But um, it's really at the Acroma Basin is uh, where um, they they really make their money. The Acroma Basin? What's that? The Arcoma Basin. Oh. Uh, It's in Oklahoma. So uh, the the story here... The story here is a a big political scandal in Arkansas, and it's why people in Arkansas have very mixed feelings about Jerry Jones. You know, they they like that he was, you know, a person from Arkansas who made it and put some money back into the community or whatever. But, uh, I mean, the the long and short of the story is that he allegedly stole like $300 million from (laughs) Arkansas ratepayers and taxpayers. And and I'll just kind of... uh, give the the broad outlines here so there's a a public utility in arkansas called the arkansas louisiana gas inc Uh, and this is the the company that provides arkansas residents with you know natural gas heating uh, stove cooking all this stuff and so um jerry jones's friend sheffield nelson becomes the president of arclaw arkansas louisiana national gas incorporated and it's a state regulated public utility provides gas to people in arkansas um but so what happens in 1981 uh jerry jones uh forms uh arcoma uh productions (laughs) they they make uh arcoma movies and uh they arcoma is what we have listening to you (laughs) (laughs) what's that got to do with this show (laughs) i swear it's going somewhere so what happens is just after uh, Jerry Jones sets up this um, this company, mm-hmm. there's um, uh, uh, bids for 20 out of um, uh, 22 sites on the Arcoma Basin. This is this natural gas reserve in Oklahoma. Uh, Arclaw, the public utility, was bidding for these sites. Um, but Jerry Jones mysteriously just barely beats their bid on 20 out of the 22. So there's allegations of bid rigging. Essentially, he was tipped off to what the ARC law bids would be, right, right. and then he just barely beat them. So they get the rights to 20 out of 22 sites on this basin. And then uh, this is 1981. In 1982, ARC law sells him 28,500 acres of uh, natural gas fields that they had the rights to. And the terms of the deal... Uh, not only do they give him a below-interest-rate loan mm-hmm. to bu- uh, make this purchase, but the terms also state that Arclaw can't renegotiate the price if the natural gas uh, market price goes down, but Jerry can renegotiate if the price goes up, and Arclaw is obligated to buy every all of the gas that Jerry Jones is able to sell them. They can't say no. 
And uh, then just the other part of this deal is essentially Arclaw even had existing contracts in the areas it sold, uh, guaranteeing delivery of gas at 55 cents per thousand cubic square feet. Jones's contract uh, guarantees they have to buy all that he can sell them at $4.50 per thousand cubic square feet. So, you know, this massive price increase, the nat- the market price was around $3 at the time this was signed. However, in 1985, the prices drop and Arclaw is stuck holding the bag. Um, and so, basically, uh, by one estimate, Arclaw spent anywhere from 59 to $97 million, too much for gas, between 1983 to 89. And these costs are passed on to the rate payers, you know, the people paying heating bills Who gave Jerry Jones this deal? Uh, so the the guy uh, Sheffield Nelson was the president of Arclaw, and he was uh, sitting on the board, and he convinces the board to go along. And with then this. later on, Jerry Jones gave him a good package. Basically, for the deal. yes, he set him up for life. Yes, and um, and just like you know, there was like an investigation was done in this. There was a memo that was sent before they signed this deal, where um, uh, I think it's an Arclaw geologist said like, "Hey, we have." This basin with a ton of natural gas. We have all these existing contracts. We should not do this deal. Um, this came out later. But so basically, um, Jerry Jones's friend Sheffield Nelson gives him this sweetheart deal, and then Jerry Jones himself gets put on Arclaw's board. And Sheffield Nelson retires in 1984, and Jerry Jones votes for his retirement package, which is 3.6 million dollars payout. So Jerry Jones gets this guy to give him a sweetheart deal. He votes for his multi-million dollar payout. And then Jerry Jones starts funding his political career. He would run for governor and uh, he'd be appointed to something by Mike Huckabee later on. But Jerry Jones becomes a major backer of him. And uh, eventually what has to happen is because Arclaw has this like um, boondoggle contract where they have to buy all the natural gas he can sell at above market prices. Sheffield Nelson leaves, and then the new president of Arclaw in 1987 has to buy Jerry Jones out. It's the only way to get out of the contract. Um, he tells the public, the new president of Arclaw, that he bought Jerry Jones out for $49 million. In actuality, he buys Jerry Jones out for $174 million. What? So according to uh, Jim Dent, Jerry Jones made about $300 million total profit on this deal. Wow. At the expense so, of ratepayers in Arkansas. Well, you guys do this podcast every week, a different billionaire. <laughs> yeah. And there, there does seem to be like with Jones at least launching in his football career, his real wealth came from some shady multiplier. <laughs> does that happen in a lot of the cases with your billionaires? Not always. Sometimes, yeah, well, it, it like it depends on the billionaire, but often it, um, it's a whole bunch of money up front from somebody they know, and then mm-hmm. they multiply that, and that essentially becomes their billions. But in this case, Jerry Jones kind of did that a couple of times. Right. Well, I, I think it's an interesting thing with with billionaires just doing this podcast is like there's always state support in some way. Yeah. You know, like, I mean, if you think about Jeff yeah. Bezos, like he's able to make billions because of the U.S. post office. Right. You know, so well, eventually they have to get into politics to continue right. the corruption that is funding their empire. Right. So they either just pay explicit bribes or they just do political lobbying or whatever else. And again, like this is part of Jerry Jones's story is like in the 80s, he takes over Arkansas politics. He becomes a big player in Republican politics in Arkansas. He even gives some money to Bill Clinton and they have just for fun, a friendly relationship up until 1990. And these him and uh, the person he gave the payout to, they were friends long before this. Right, they knew each other. This. So it's basically yeah, they were like, good old boys. It's a rub job. Yes, yeah, that kind of Texan Southern thing of like the good old boys getting fucked up and setting each other up. Yeah, I mean that's like he, a white pig. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, 
And I mean, this basically here's how the story ends. Um, uh, he buys the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Jerry Jones. Um, uh, another Republican politician is a guy named Tommy Robinson, not to be confused with a famous British racist Tommy Robinson. I'm uh, Tommy Robinson. I don't like Koreans. <laughs> I think their eyes got a wrong aspect ratio. <laughs> How many going to look at my Instagram? <laughs> no, you can't use the phone, you bloody pocky. <laughs> look at Sean growing on impressions. <laughs> Beautiful. Uh, so not this racist guy. That's, yeah, not this guy. So it's going in our archive. You of, know, uh, you guys all know Tommy Robinson, <laughs> <laughs> notorious racist Brit. Yeah, we, we go, have Google this guy. So we, we have British listeners. But we do. We should do an episode on Mr. Bean. Uh, <laughs> 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 that episode where Mr. Bean stumbles into control of an Arkansas public utility. <laughs> Through a series of mishaps. Um, yeah. So <laughs> Tommy Robinson was a um, interesting, like, he was in charge of the Arkansas State Police for a time. So uh, Jerry Jones was in the 80s. Jerry Jones is a big contributor to him. Apparently, he had, like, state police provide security for Jerry Jones's daughter at, like, at some sort of party or i'm trying to remember if it was like a prom or something but whatever the case so uh, can you look that up <laughs> whatever the case um uh, this guy becomes a republican congressman from arkansas um with uh jerry jones's financial support and then one day in 1989 uh jerry jones meets him in washington and he says hey i um i want to run for governor of arkansas and jerry jones tells him yes you have my full support i'll back you 100 percent but then Jerry Jones's friend Sheffield Nelson, the guy at Arklaw who gave him the sweetheart three hundred million dollar deal, right. decides to run for governor. So Jerry Jones backs him instead. Wow! And this is kind of like the, they're falling out with Tommy Robinson because you know up to this point Jerry Jones had been supporting him, and so the only reason this comes out is in the Republican primary, Tommy Robinson, having been betrayed by Jerry Jones, blows the whistle on this Sheffield Nelson deal, mm -hmm. and then Bill Clinton's the governor. Uh, he has to launch a, an investigation uh, because of the public attention. And then eventually, Arklaw is ordered to refund uh, ratepayers in Arkansas about $21 million. And Sh uh, Sheffield Nelson wins the Republican primary, but he's damaged by the scandal. So Bill Clinton beats him in 1990. Oh, wow. So he paved the way for, for old Bill. <laughs> yeah, basically. So he wouldn't have the Clinton legacy if it yes. wasn't for Jerry Jones. If it weren't for Jerry Jones, I never would have worked at Comet Ping Pong. <laughs> <laughs> but so apparently uh, Jerry Jones and Bill Clinton, even though Jerry Jones more supported Republicans, they were like casual friends who occasionally partied together in the, uh, the 80s. Um, and then uh, at Epstein's house. <laughs> But when Sheffield Nelson runs for... I wonder what they talked about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they talked about Jennifer Flowers, apparently. <laughs> so when... Um when when uh, Sheffield Nelson runs for governor against Bill Clinton, their friendship ends. But uh, what happens is Jerry Jones actually hires a private investigators to go after Bill Clinton in 1990. They see him with Jennifer Flowers. But according to Jim Dent, uh, Jerry Jones has also been seen with Jennifer Flowers. Oh, really? Both a veritable in, garden. <laughs> <laughs> both in Little Rock and uh, Dallas. Well, she gets so, around. Yeah. <clears throat> but anyways... He gets $300, from the, $300 million from this sweetheart deal, and this is what allows him to buy the Dallas Cowboys. What you've all been waiting for. We're 50 minutes into a podcast. We just got to football. 
Which is why we invited Joel. <laughs> no, that was a fun ride. Yeah. And um, I'm sure it'll be cut down considerably. <laughs> <laughs> this will be at the three minute mark. Yeah. Right <laughs> <laughs> How uh, many times do you think he said Jerry Jones in that section? I'll do a hypercut every time Sean said Jerry Jones. Cut it together. Oh, dude, that'd be amazing. Uh, I bet it's I bet it's probably 250 times. <laughs> you know what I've learned about editing? If I say he and then I want to cut something, it sounds like disjoint it uh-huh. when you just go from like saying uh jerry jones to he and then you cut the first right, jerry right. jones it goes uh, right to he so it's better to be annoying and just say jerry jones a ton of times so i, I, I was it. wondering it, it makes sense i just had to ask like why are you saying jerry jones and now like i have this weird asmr thing with it. <laughs> another it's editing all- thing is uh, i'm taking uh sean's impression and putting it in our sean saying ethnic slurs Oh yeah, Dude, Pat, master compilation. Oh, it's the best. And that's going to be our our uh, one year bonus. Full full eight and a half hour edition. Yeah, <laughs> that's the Patreon, folks. Uh, you know, for ten dollars a month, um, give Sean a phone number, and he will use the slur of your choosing. He'll do the Grand Torino monologue. <laughs> Man, remember that Grand Torino song? <laughs> Clint Eastwood like wrote and sang a song that went over the end credits. Yeah, it was like really like um, Neil Diamondy. Like, yeah, it was very ne- Neil Youngy. Yeah, that's what it was. Yeah, <laughs> it'd be great if it was it Neil was Diamondy right, right. though. <laughs> Grand Torino, <laughs> it's my car. <laughs> what if in the first draft of the Grand Torino movie there was no racism, but then Clint Eastwood got so mad that all the Asian people were such bad actors in that movie? <laughs> <laughs> that happened with uh, Jennifer Lopez. One of her songs wasn't getting a lot of radio play, and then she added like four more N words, <laughs> and then the radio was like, "This is a good song." Really, what yeah. song? I think it was Jenny from the Block. I didn't know she <laughs> says the N word in that song. Well, that's uh, our. <laughs> she does in Yogi's version. <laughs> <laughs> when Yogi sings it. Oh, yeah. People got really mad at me when I did Jenny from the Block on karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so. Uh, 1989, uh, Jerry Jones just made $300 million from this deal. And what does he do with his money? He buys the Dallas Cowboys. H.R. Oh. Uh, Bumbright was the former owner of the Dallas Cowboys, who apparently lost most of it, uh, about half his fortune in the savings and loans collapse, which we've talked about a fair bit on the Michael Milken episode. But he was tied up in this uh, massive Ponzi scheme that Michael Milken put together. And the Cowboys weren't very successful. This was before the television rights for football were (laughs) the best asset in American entertainment. And he was losing roughly a million dollars a month on this once great franchise. Mm -hmm. They were pretty bad. They won Super Bowls throughout the 70s, 1980s, losing team throughout. Uh, mm. Quick sidebar, sorry to interrupt, but mm. it, the Jennifer Lopez track that has the N-word is the duet with Ja Rule, I'm Real. That's the track that she put the N-word in. Mm. Yeah, it was the N-word Ja Rule. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Andy got it. <laughs> so um, what happens is he takes the team in a profit-making direction. Oh, yeah. So And also, H.R. Uh, Bumbright, the former owner, his his savings and loan company. Wait, what was his name? Yeah, apparently his nickname is Bum. <laughs> and H- apparently, if you go to Wikipedia, it's called, his name is Bumbright, but he's H.R. Bumbright. And, the, it, you know, it's, it's cool that, like, Jones really made it his own right off the bat. Sure. And right now, present day, 
being one of the 32 owners of an NFL team is the most exclusive club in the world. That's right, yeah. And it was not the case when Jones bought in. Mm-hmm. So he immediately, he it wasn't always a practice. Usually when you bought a team, you kept the status quo. He immediately fires two Hall of Famers, mm-hmm. Tom Landry, Tex Schramm. They have the first pick in the draft, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they do, they, they're they kind of weird. Like, if you were to just watch this. Controversial moves. Yeah, even that. They picked Troy Aikman first overall, and they traded another first-round pick for Steve Walsh. So they, they had st- two blue-chip quarterbacks right. at one time, and, like, all their planning looks awful. But they make this vulturous Herschel Walker trade where they leech a not as, you know, these teams, they're just kind of accessories in a lot of cases. So like, oh, we just want to make a playoff run. Give us Herschel Walker. And in that deal, he gets six first-round picks or something close right. to yeah, him. Yeah. And that that's what sets him up for a great deal of and, success. And people were real pissed about that. They're like, how can you get rid of him? But those six picks got them the bowl. Also, the uh, owner HR, Bumbright, his, his, the HR stands for his rectum. <laughs> <laughs> Shut the fuck up, Sean. <laughs> Leave. You're done with this podcast. Is that why his nickname is Bum? (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, yeah, so H.R. Bumbright has to sell. um, And and so he he returns, uh, Jerry Jones returns the team to profitability pretty quickly. And he makes a lot of money. Essentially, what allows him to become a billionaire is the Dallas Cowboys. He buys in and, you know, makes a ton of money off this football team. And again, the team, as as Joel mentioned, was losing a million a month. So certainly some stuff had to be done. But I do just want to kind of go through some of the stuff from the book. Some of it's a little excessive. Well, I think uh, like the one the one thing that really stands out to me about his really aside from like the f- team success. Right. The NFL took a chance when his broadcast deal was open and he convinced the NFL to go with Fox. Right. Oh. And in exchange for that, Fox has been very pro Cowboys. Sure, sure. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. in like, terms of television spots. Right, right. And then in terms of like, there seems to be a pipeline for former players to get production jobs. Right, 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 right. Yeah. Because there is this, like, the one thing about Jones is he's immensely loyal. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, and like Jones is Jerry Jones is friends with like Rupert Murdoch, and then Joel's mentioning this television deal that they struck with Fox because Rupert Murdoch was like very desperate to get a major sports franchise on his network, which was still kind of fledgling in the early nineties, and apparently CBS was in like cost cutting mode, so uh, Fox outbid them by like a billion dollars for um, the rights to the NFC and one Super Bowl. Um, During yeah. the time when he was considering buying the uh, Chargers, one of the reasons why he didn't was because the AFC did not have as much TV coverage. Mm. That was another one of the reasons why he didn't buy a team at the age of 23. That's the thing that's crazy to me about that part of the story is that at 23, he's like, I want to buy a team with money I'm going to get from Jimmy Hoffa, Pops. And his dad's like, nah, I don't do that. And he's like, Dad, you can't control me. Fuck you, Jerry Jones. Yeah, and there, in what we talk about in the natural gas, um, I'm going to say thrill ride, um, <laughs> you don't see many signs of him being a brilliant businessman. But right. in this NFL deal, you see an example of him going, oh, television is how this entity makes marketing. Right. Two decades later, similarly, he says, television isn't really the way. It's the in-arena experience is right. how you make money. So I, you see two pretty fantastic, like, angles on situa- situations that benefited 31 other people. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, so basically, here's some of the cost-cutting stuff that he does and some of the revenue-generating stuff. Uh, According to the Jim Dent book, as of 1995, I don't know if it's changed, NFL revenue-sharing profits from luxury box sales Mm -hmm. are not shared with other teams. So Jerry Jones makes luxury boxes a major sales focus. And uh, apparently, he... The Cowboy Stadium, when he took it over, had one of the nicest press boxes in like one of the best positions right. in the league. So he kicks the press out and puts them on like the <laughs> upper deck, and then he sells that as a luxury box. To which yeah. I say, fuck yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's absolutely right for yeah. that. That is a good decision. Yeah. yeah. Um, but so the other thing that he does, it's kind of, I mean, it's genius, but it's kind of fucked up. Jerry Jones starts a company called ProSeat. And he starts selling Cowboys tickets through his new company, ProSeat. But what he does is he moves all of the season ticket holders to get uh, priority to people who buy their tickets through ProSeat. And, of course, ProSeat tax on, like, right, a premium right. charge that goes to Jerry Jones. Um, and then he also, like, crams seats together and moves seats around to add about four to 5,000 more seat, premium mm. seats to the, the stadium. Delta Airlines, is Exactly. It? And so, you know, these are, like, there's uh, season ticket holder lawsuits as a result because people <laughs> who, like, paid for their season tickets getting are fucked. suddenly getting moved or they're, like, being forced to rebuy season tickets through ProSeats. Uh, and pay this extra premium. He recalls, uh, Jerry Jones does, he takes back thousands of season tickets from former players, coaches, employees, etc. And one, like, uh, controversial one, he takes back these season tickets um, from the widow of Cowboys assistant coach uh, Ermel Allen, who had been with the team 21 years, and she was, like, paying the regular season ticket wow. prices. She wasn't even getting these for free, but he takes back her tic- season tickets and then tries to get her to buy it again through proceeds. Sure. Um, and, you know, uh, we mentioned... And he also, interestingly enough, he becomes the first Cowboys owner to sell advertising signage in the stadium. I mean, like, oh, you right. know... Yeah, but that's just like a, a... Right. That's a product of the time, yeah. you know? right. And uh, uh, other interesting thing I didn't know, he introduces beer and wine sales. Apparently before him, people would just bring cans of beer into the stadium. Um, but he has to like lobby the um, the local government because it's, you know, rather... Like liquor license laws Yeah, puritanical yeah. area. Mm. Uh, so he has to like lobby them and pay a bunch of bribes. I mean, yeah. worth it. Yeah. You sell your own liquor at the stadium. Mm. Make Ab- it killing. Absolutely. And I think you see like just his vision for football is pretty nuanced and multifaceted. And for a long time, he was one of only two owners who had football experience. His kind of right. him and Jerry Richardson, who started the Panthers and was outed for a sexual assault scandal. But he had to sell his team. But he was powerful enough that he got to work in that his statue would remain up at the stadium <laughs> into the terms of the what? sale. Yeah. Yeah, I think Jerry Jones just took football from a, hey, this is a a game that you go see at your high school to making it the NFL version we see today. Yeah, and I think... The statue of him is him handing you a non-disclosure agreement to sign. (laughs) (laughs) And there's a lot of, like... He borrowed a little bit from Jerry Buss mm-hmm. in terms of like his relationships with players. There was a long during the great Cowboys team, all the the Cowboys players they owned a, a house called the White House, mm-hmm. where they would go Why it be white? to have it was just painted white, and it was probably just because of the amount of cocaine that was done there. <laughs> like Michael was, Snervin, was, Irvin sneezed outside. It was it was called the the White House because of who was not allowed to use the phone. <laughs> It's like the white pig in. Yeah. And like Jones, like he famously, he kind of parties with players and mm-hmm. stuff. Yeah. He, but, 
I detracted from my original point because yeah, the coffee okay. you made me was strong. But I think all these kind of like things with the season's ticket holders, the proceeds, yeah. the taking yeah, stuff yeah. back from the widows, it's that same kind of micromanaging, like control all areas of your industry approach that allowed it to blow up. All like, right. That made him look like a kind of <laughs> asshole in certain regards. Yeah, I mean, look, he definitely made it profitable. And then, like, one other uh, story here. Well, actually, two. So the other thing he does is he requires season ticket holders. In 1994, when they go to the playoffs, he requires season ticket holders to prepay for two playoff games. But uh, one of those games was held in San Francisco. And then the normal NFL procedure would be automatic refunds. But instead, he made them contact the Cowboys in order to get a refund. Just to try <laughs> <laughs> Dang. Uh, yeah, and, he's a snake. Yeah, and uh, that's some um, that's some gordsmanship. He also became the first NFL owner in history not to pay front office employees some sort of bonus, financial bonus, when their teams make the playoffs. Um, and what he did to get around this is he awarded quote uh, Super Bowl rings instead of bonuses to some employees. However, he uses uh, z- uh, zircons a $90 value instead of diamonds, a $13,000 value like traditional <laughs> Super Bowl rings have. Yeah, and Jerry Jones only buying secretaries a diamond if they earn it. <laughs> <laughs> and just according to... How ring- dare he take meals out of the exploited mine children? <laughs> what if he was just so and like... child soldiers. What if Jerry Jones was just thinking like... Yeah, you know, I just can't support these mines. <laughs> I know the players want their diamonds, but I think the rest of the mine employees are just gracious enough to understand. Like, I, I see a guy who sees the best in people. <laughs> Anyways, the, the point is here, uh, you know, like, and then one other quote, uh, Randy Galloway of the Dallas Morning News says Jerry Jones, quote, treats his employees like shit. And I mean, it's just like, that's a direct quote? That's a direct quote, yes. Uh, and, you know, so it's uh, he, he definitely restored uh, some profitability. He did a lot of cost-cutting. And I think the shittiest thing he did was sue those workers' comp players because, I mean, like, I mean, fundamentally, my problem with sports owners in general is the product on the field that generates the money is the players, and the revenue, most of it, goes to the owners, and especially in the right. case of football, where it's such a dangerous sport that causes CTE, you know, uh, takes years off your life, broken bones, uh, pain for the rest of your life, you know, all this stuff, and Jerry Jones is, like, suing them to get back their $1 million between the 16 of them workers' comp payment, you know, so... I mean, you think the payers are going to build that stadium? <laughs> And uh, he also, the taxpayers, they... Help fund the AT&T Stadium? Yeah, not as bad as you would think, because it, it says it was $1.2 billion to to build. Right. And the taxpayers are on the hook for $65.3 million. Hmm. I don't think that's terrible. It's still taxpayer money that's going to a... Privately owned business. Yeah. yeah. And, and so, I mean, you know... Could be worse, Jerry. You could have done worse on that one. <laughs> But so we, we kind of mentioned... Are the teams technically non-profit like the NFL? I, I, I think so. I don't know how it works, though. No, uh, no they are. They're, the teams they're not... are profit, but the NFL itself is non-profit. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, and so, and that's, you know, kind of the story. He takes it over, uh, 1989. The first season, they go 1-15, and 15, but the next year, they do much better. Uh, they win Super Bowls in 93, 94. 
uh, his friend who he brought in to coach, Jimmy Johnson. Extends. He, he fires. Uh, uh, Jerry Jones fires him and apparently to this day has not put Jimmy Johnson on the ring of honor in oh, Dallas really? Stadium. Though I, I read an article from June of this year that says he might finally put Jimmy Johnson in the wow. ring of honor. Yeah, but teams are too flipping about yeah. giving people. Like, that, that's just such a weird thing. Yeah. And- and uh, then, like, so in 1989, they draft uh, Troy Aikman first overall, and then uh, apparently they get, like, a great trade with the owner of Minnesota, who's described as a sucker. They get the Herschel Walker trade. Um, so they, they put a great team together, um, partly through luck of circumstance, but, you know, uh, you can't can't deny giving Jerry some credit there. But I think a lot of people would make the argument, again, I'm not a football expert, but that essentially he wanted to – he wanted the credit. He wanted the, to be the guy who's like, oh, he's the smart football guy instead of Jimmy Johnson. And really, to put him in perspective, like he always has controlled all football operations. He has yes. kind of had some black marks with his team's relationship, and like it, I see him as sort of like a neo-capitalist Al Davis. I think like, he's the NFL's Vince McMahon. I think that's fair to say. Yeah, and like even right now, like he made his big move with the television race. He made his big move with the stadium, and now he was instrumental in the NFL's Los Angeles development. Sure, of right. Yeah. Like he would. Like now he's pretty much Roger Goodell. He's not the commissioner of the NFL, but he serves yeah. the interests of the thirty-two owners. Mm-hmm. And in that group, especially with Richardson being ousted, that Jones is driving that ship. 100 percent right yeah jones kind of from everything i've read jones uh, jerry jones is the primary force behind the uh owners you know collectively he's kind of like what do you want to call it the ringleader of the owners or definitely one of the most dominant personalities well it's nice to see solidarity <laughs> <laughs> um but i guess like uh you know uh, with from you know the as the Jim Dent book only goes up to about 1995, so well, don't uh, admit that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the only other we've bi- talked about other years, <laughs> yeah, Sean. We've talked uh, the. Uh, I had some great research about First Amendment audits. <laughs> He's done nothing since nine twenty three <laughs> years. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's looking forward to the film Independence <laughs> Day. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but but I guess my point was, you know, there's um, a lot of controversy about um, the, the Dallas Stadium. You know, there have been a lot of rumors about Jerry Jones having affairs and this kind of thing. And uh, we mentioned he's been seen in public with Jennifer. Just rumors, Pop- though. Yes. Uh, rumors, s- more like people bragging. <laughs> uh, so just one other thing from the book. Uh, Jones is all- often seen in public with Susan Skaggs. Uh, again, this is back in 1995. An attractive sales and marketing employee at the stadium who is 20 years his junior. It is no- she, is, <laughs> she is present day 65. <laughs> <laughs> Sexy is- Mink's grandmother, Susan Skaggs. <laughs> Uh, it is no secret that Jones and Skaggs have had more than a boss-employee relationship. Although Me, cowboys, and, although cowboys employees who fear for their jobs rarely talk about it, Jones and Skaggs have been seen dining, drinking, and dancing at bars and restaurants throughout the Dallas area for the last three years. Um, Skaggs travels with Jones, um, even to stuff that is like not directly tied to the football club, such as marketing seminars and meetings, uh, and uh, Skaggs. Uh, is one of the was one of the highest paid players on the uh, Cowboys front office, making about a hundred thousand dollars a year in nineteen ninety five. Still employed there. <laughs> I'm looking at her LinkedIn right now. Oh really? Nice. Yeah. Oh. See, that's the one thing about Jerry Jones. Like, sports is such a like high turnover industry, right? 
people work for Jerry Jones for decades mm-hmm. until he fires them. Yeah, but even still, like Jason Garrett, probably most teams would have fired him five, six times sure, already. Certainly. Before that, Barry Switzer brought a gun through airport security and he kept his <laughs> job. <laughs> also, if you're gonna have like an affair with a high profile person change your name from skags because that's that's just a name that screams i've got vd her, her linkedin is skag susan oh. <laughs> he thought it was scabs and he was attracted to that amanda union <laughs> oh one thing i forgot to mention uh sheffield nelson the um the guy that jerry jones uh, got the uh, sweetheart arcala deal with uh, Sheffield Nelson and Jerry Jones also invested in the guy uh, McDougal, who was famous for the Whitewater scandal. Basically, um, why's gotta be white? Yeah. So <laughs> the uh, this McDougal guy um, sold land to Jerry Johnson and Sheffield Nelson, and then he went bankrupt. Um, and then the company that bought out his assets, apparently the owner was friends with Jerry Jones and Sheffield, so they actually made a profit on the Whitewater. Uh, deal or something from the guy who did the Whitewater deal, where right. the Clintons lost money on it. Do you know uh, what happened with the Whitewater scandal? No, I yeah, they murdered Vince McMahon. Yeah, <laughs> you're not Vince. Vince <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the only person who knows what happened with the Whitewater scandal is named Vince Foster. <laughs> um, but yeah, a random anecdote. But I guess you know uh, what 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 haven't we covered, Joel? You know? Um, apart from the years 1995 <laughs> and 2018, we got almost everything here. I, I yeah, but we we peppered in. You have a big picture idea of what the man is and the many faces he has had over the years. <laughs> I'll mention one thing: his like entire family, from his kids to their kids, are now all in football uh, relations. Whether he's working uh, for Dallas or other organizations, and it uh, if you thought nepotism was dead, Jerry Jones will prove you wrong. Mm-hmm. And, and you know he tried to give the world Shakey's pizza. He didn't. He didn't. He didn't succeed. But at the end of the day, he gave his players shaky memories. So we we can praise him for that. <laughs> Shakey's pizza. When you go to a Pizza Hut with CTE <laughs> or Parkinson's, I guess. Uh, that that'd probably be the best way to go to a pizza place. <laughs> If I went to a pizza place with C2E, I would forget I'm a vegetarian, and then I'd be able to get a sausage pie. Like, would you like a murder suey slice? Okay. Remember when I went to wow. pizza, <laughs> went to Pizza Hut and sat in my car for four hours, forgetting why I drove over there? Uh, is that everything? Yeah, I think so. Uh, Joel, um, uh, again, thank you for uh, uh, being here and enlightening us on the NFL. Please. Um, advertise where people can find you and if you would like you may make some nfl picks oh shit um i am at uh joel walkowski on instagram the walkowski on twitter every week i do my nfl picks do some kind of roasty jokes and i'm sponsored by a casino and you can use my promo code at mybookie.ag to get 50 (laughs) percent bonus on your deposit sgp50 but go watch my picks next week and the Super Bowl. All right. Yeah. I, I made two hundred dollars betting against the Cowboys last night. So, <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> yeah. so pretty so sweet. If, if you're wondering why Jer- uh, why Joel has been defending Jerry Jones all this episode, <laughs> yeah, you can bet against this motherfucker. Like, <laughs> you know they're gonna lose in the in the in the playoffs every year. It's so easy. 
but yeah, Ed, you could check out uh, uh, Joel's picks online. Um, we'll, we'll put a, a link in the description. Um, but uh, I guess thank you for, for listening to Grubstakers. Uh, next episode may or may not be a little late. Thanks for uh, due to scheduling. Uh, but check the Twitter to uh, to see what's going on with that. But as always, uh, thank you for listening. And, and with that, I'm Yogi Pollywall. I'm Andy Palmer. Steve Jeffries. I'm Sean McCarthy. Thanks, Joel. Bye, guys. Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch had a vision. He had a dream. Boy, was he going into a pretty established situation with the network. But boy, did he have courage, and he saw value that nobody saw. Thank you, Rupert. Thank you very much. Oh, Andy does drops? I did drops. I'm the drop guy. I. For the Cowboys, that's Amari Cooper. <laughs> nice. Nice. He had a nice game yesterday. Nice. Uh, wasn't very good after all. Uh, ooh, ooh. Terrible. Now that's talent. An opera singer who tap dances and sings cowboy songs. I wonder if there's anything she isn't good at. Yes. Choosing what show to be on. <laughs>